0: On this week's show, hop on your talking robot and travel back to 1988, where brownface is acceptable. Nope, it's racist. <laughs> and catfishing women was okay. It was not. And New York City looked a lot like downtown Toronto.
1: Yeah, that one's fair. I'm Nick Knowles. I'm Laura Medeiros. I'm Roddy Gussam. I'm Megan Swade. And this is bad with Numbers. <laughs>
2: So, what's your favorite movie robot? Are we going now? Oh, shit! <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow! Literally, just cut out the the whole part we're supposed to. Just
2: so glad I know how to edit.
1: <laughs> well, it's a future
3: blooper for your Patreon.
1: There you go. I don't know. Um, movie robots. I personally don't find them memorable. Um, I hated Chappie. So I, honest to God, think that this might be my favorite. Wow! I know, because he's so charming.
3: Like none of the Star Wars.
1: Uh, yeah. R2D2 is kind of alright. He's at least like sufferable, but uh, C3PO is garbage. Um, BB8 is just Ooh. R2D2 but round.
3: I haven't watched it, but
2: Alita Battle
3: Battle Angel Alita.
1: Oh yeah, is she a robot? Is
0: she
2: a robot? No. Yeah, she's yeah. a robot. Oh, she's <laughs> a robot. <laughs> she has in big robot eyes. I don't know. I thought it was. I don't know.
3: <laughs>
1: is she your favorite? Even though you haven't seen the movie.
3: I mean, it got good reviews, so maybe that could be my
2: future. <laughs> good movie. <laughs> there
3: you go.
1: uh, does
0: data from star trek count as a movie robot
2: i mean he was in star trek movies so that's true sure
0: i also like those up those early episodes of saved by the bell where they where screech owns a robot for some reason and it appears to be sentient
2: oh fuck yeah
0: it never explains like I, i guess he built the robot and the robot has like funny dialogue and i guess there's somebody puppeteering it somewhere i'm assuming since they didn't have robots like that in the 90s but yeah
2: why did screech have a robot that was so fucking weird his name was kevin
0: <gasps> i love that i don't know what i don't know why i remember
2: that jesus
3: yeah of all the names i feel like kevin's the one that people go like oh hence laura's reaction
1: well okay so since i was a kid i've always called groundhogs kevin's um and they're all named after each other so then i don't lose track so groundhogs are kevins and therefore are cute (laughs) okay
3: (laughs) so they're all Kevin. so if
0: you run into a groundhog in real life you'll just be like hey kevin it's it's a kevin and it's very exciting
2: what happens if there's two they're kevins oh okay a collection of groundhogs is known as uh, the kevins
1: the kevins and my mom has uh, actually adopted that too so she'll just generally text me like oh there are some kevins near the walmart and i'm like oh good i was worried about those guys (laughs) (laughs)
2: I don't know I think my favorite movie robot is from a movie that came out this year and that's maybe like when you're a kid and you see a film and you're like oh that's the best film I ever saw until you like see the next one so my current favorite movie robot is actually the character that Anthony Carrigan plays in Bill and Ted Face the Music (laughs) and the thing is is that I can't even say his name because it's probably a spoiler for that movie I don't know some of you guys haven't seen that movie yet but he is far and away my favorite that's fair he steals that Movie blind from underneath everybody else.
1: That's great. I actually uh, just saw they did the prosthetics of of the different body types on Mm. Bill and Ted. That was actually really cool to watch. It was very informative. It was on Snapchat of all places.
2: I I dug that movie, but then you know I'm I'm a somewhat of a Keanu head. Yeah, this is bad with numbers, a podcast where we talk about (laughs) terrible sequels. On this week's show, wow, we're talking Short Circuit Two from 1988, directed by Kenneth Johnson, who was a big tv guy he made a lot of tv in the 70s and 80s stuff like the incredible hulk the bionic woman uh he did the tv series v which I was a big fan of growing up. This is probably his most notable film, and I can't imagine that there would be any reason why they wouldn't let him direct another one after this, because this movie is in no way problematic.
1: Disagree, but go on.
2: That's an understatement.
3: (laughs) (sighs) Is that kind of the reason why you chose this film to do? Like, part of me was like, maybe it's because there's a lot of Toronto. And we're all from Toronto.
2: So it's a bit of like, hey, look, we get to see Toronto in place of another city. I mean, that was primarily my reason for choosing this movie. But then other issues with said movie came to light. And I think they've kind of uh, taken precedent over the fact that this movie tries to pass off Toronto as New York. Yeah.
0: Looking at the background of the scenes was the only thing that got me through this movie.
2: Actually, yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: Where I was constantly like, that's King Street. <laughs> I
1: know,
3: exact same. I was like, hey, wow, that's Eaton Center. It really hasn't changed that much. (laughs) Yeah, it looks basically the same.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, Were you guys familiar with this franchise before I bestowed this upon you?
0: I have a vague recollection of watching it a lot as a child, but I don't actually remember that much about the movies, especially the first one.
3: I knew that it had brownface in it, so I kind of actively avoided it. (laughs) <laughs> then I had to watch it for just, a guest research purposes, or just trying to understand the history and the problems of
2: Hollywood. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Uh, Laura, did you know this franchise? No,
1: I was about negative uh, seven when this franchise first came out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I haven't heard much about this. So I didn't know that this existed. And it's very interesting because I didn't even know that this was filmed in Toronto. Mm. You would think that that would be a big flex is that you know all of these movies i know that in casa Loma, they have all of these um movies that have been filmed there
2: yeah they have like um the x-men poster and stuff because it was used yeah. in the first x-men movie right
1: exactly but um and they've got like scott pilgrim and all that other stuff but yeah. you would think that the eaton center would have something like oh yeah we have all of these movies i i don't know
2: i don't know if having short circuit two on their promo reel that is, is totally that true. big of a selling point yeah but it's weird that like this is
3: completely tangent but like it's just funny when you live in a city how easily you recognize things when they appear in a show like I remember complete tangent Grey's Anatomy there was a stock footage of a store and I was like that's Eaton Center I thought that's
2: (laughs) it Yeah, I was watching an episode of The Boys the Amazon show a couple of nights ago and they're stood outside the Home Depot that's like round the corner from my house so yeah it happens a lot.
1: They were um, doing the the whole alleyway scenes a lot and Cohen's like I know where that is and I'm like why do you know the alleyway in Toronto of where this takes place that's insane but it, I don't know I feel as though when you live someplace you start picking up on the on the cues as to like where things are and I don't know even when it first showed um, her office where she's trying to pitch whatever mm-hmm. toys um, you could see like the girders all of the steel crisscrossing. I'm like is that in the Eaton Center?
2: Yeah.
0: There are, there are offices above the Eaton Center.
2: There
1: are and that's where she she took place was in the Eaton Center.
2: Well it opens in Dundas Square and I was like oh that's what it used to look like. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ugh. Oh man. Okay. I saw both of these movies in theaters because A. I'm old as fuck and B. I went to the cinema a lot as a child so I am very Very familiar with this franchise. Um, I wasn't maybe as aware of its problems when I saw it when I was eight years old. However, watching it now, goddamn. Yeah. I'll just fill you in on the plot. Are we doing the sixty-second thing? No, (gasps) I don't know if we can get this in in sixty seconds because I'm going to do both movies.
1: Well, Roddy, what did I time at last week?
2: A lot more than a minute.
1: She was summarizing two movies. That's fair.
3: I didn't I didn't expect that she would summarize both. I thought we were just going to do one.
1: Well, you know what? I'm very passionate about those movies, so <laughs>
3: I'll, I'll give I'll give it 2 minutes
2: just okay, for give it two. Sh- for shits and giggles. All right. Okay, but if it goes over two minutes, don't like give me shit about it. We will. Oh, pressure, pressure, go. Are you starting timing it? Yeah. Oh, fuck's sake. You should have said. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he said go. <laughs>
2: okay. So the first movie is about number five, an $11 million military robot that gains sentience after it's struck by lightning. It goes rogue and ends up hiding out in Astoria, Oregon with Ali Sheedy, who runs a food truck and is also an animal hoarder, question mark, because she has like a bunch of skunks and raccoons and cats and dogs living all over her house. And I just thought, Laura, this is future you. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, the robot learns a bunch of stuff by reading some encyclopedias and watching TV, and then it becomes achingly aware of its own mortality. So he and Sheedy go on the lam. Uh, meanwhile, Steve Gutenberg and Fisher Stevens are the two nerds that created the robot. So they're also pursuing it while the military are trying to blow it up. Gutenberg and Sheedy fall in love. The robot tricks the military into blowing up an identical model of himself. And then they all fuck off to Montana to hide out at Gutenberg's father's farm for the rest of their days. The end of Short Circuit One. Oh, easy. So the second movie begins with Fisher Stevens' character. He's been fired by the robotics company uh, and he's hawking toys of Johnny Five on the street. Uh, Michael McKean is flogging fake Rolexes next to him because he's the perfect scumbum. <laughs> Toy company executive, played by Cynthia Gibb, comes across one of the toys and Stevens immediately falls in love with her, as you do, and he and McKean agree to mass-produce a 1,000 units for her, even though Stevens is making these things by hand from the back of his van. The real number five rocks up by mail order at their skeezy warehouse to help out with the manufacturing and he finds out that he's in a major metropolitan city so he goes off on a sightseeing adventure to find input At the same time, there's a gang of crooks who need access to the warehouse to tunnel into the bank across the street where a collection of diamonds are being held before an auction. The gang managed to dupe Number 5 into helping them dig the tunnel while Stevens is out trying to romance the toy executive lady. Number 5 figures out that he's being used by the gang and he tries to shop them in and they end up beating the living piss out of him and he's basically left for dead. McKean, who had previously tried to sell Number 5 because, like I said, he's a scumbum, helps fix him up and then there is a very exciting chase sequence where Number 5 wrangles up this cring- criminal gang and justice is eventually served. At the end, both Number 5 and Stevens get their American citizenship right outside Queen's Park, which is in Canada, the end.
3: <laughs> that was like two minutes and 30. Good job.
2: Oh, thanks. And with editing, even less.
3: Hey, I mean, wants to make it a thing where there's like a time, like it's a reality show. But that's another discussion.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some of the movies that are on our docket for future episodes. And I'm just going to say good luck summing up some of this shit in two minutes
3: i'll try i want to try uh, uh- <laughs>
2: i'm gonna have to fucking bleep that yeah for spoilers but yeah you, good luck because uh fuck knows what that movie's about
3: uh just for future reference i apologize to Neff as you're editing this because i realize
2: this is the third time <laughs> <laughs> um don't, don't worry about it okay so that's the plot the bank heist thing is really stupid <laughs> It's, uh, it's not the most well-thought-out bank heist.
0: They just barely get Johnny Five put back together, and then his first instinct is to go after a bunch of idiots that were robbing a bank. It's like, dude, you know who they are. Just call the police.
2: Why does he care so much? It's not like the diamonds were in any way relevant to him or anybody else in the movie.
1: Yeah. Um. Maybe it's because he's having a hard time trusting people, right? So then he finally trusts these people and they betrayed him. So it's just like, you know what? fuck you, I'm gonna hunt you down, I'm gonna bring you in.
0: Oh yeah, that is true. He does,
1: and then you'll be, you know...
0: He does swear revenge against the guy that betrayed his trust.
1: Yeah.
2: Basically, it's a Robocop scenario, right? He's, uh, a little bit. he's going after the people that wronged him.
1: I don't know, that whole that whole scene really kind of broke my heart, because like I said, I really fell in love with uh, Johnny Five. I loved him. He was crazy charming. I really wish he wasn't in this movie. I I really wish it was just him. Yep. Um, You know, mucking about. I couldn't enjoy it, though, because of everything that was going on. I just, you can't ignore it.
3: No, yeah, basically for me, as soon as this movie, like, started on, and then, what's the what's the actor's name? Stephen Fisher or Fisher Stevens?
0: Fisher Stevens. His real name is Stephen Fisher. Oh. He changed it. He's changed His stage name is Fisher Stevens because somebody else was named Stephen Fisher, I guess.
3: Yeah, I think as soon as he rolls up, and then he speaks, and you know that he's actually white, it's just like, oh. Yeah. This movie's racist. And then you And then for me at that point, I was like, Oh, this is going to be, I don't know if I could watch this.
0: Every moment he has with Sandy is like nails on a chalkboard. It's so fucking awkward. Like it is just Sandy deserves a better movie. Sandy is freaking (laughs) adorable. She works at a toy company. She loves rock and roll music. She sits at home playing her electric guitar and singing. And she's actually really good at it. And that whole scene where uh, they're locked in the freezer and they're punching in these different uh, notes, uh, of songs and her and the cab driver are deciphering the route via these uh songs, uh, I could have watched a whole hour of that because that was vastly to me more interesting
3: than the rest of the movie. Agreed, like her introduction with, like, here's my invention and with a hat that claps.
2: I was like, you know what, that's not a bad invention.
3: Like, I would, I wouldn't
1: would buy that. I wouldn't buy it for my kid, though, they'd be hella annoying.
2: She's introduced pretty early on. We don't get to meet the robot in this movie for like 20 fucking minutes because we've got so much much of this fucking about with the diamond subplot. And also we're farting around with Fisher Stevens and Michael McKean. Uh, This movie starts out with them. Like I said, they're selling stuff on what's meant to be Broadway, I think in Mm. New York, but it's blatantly young street in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Did young street always look that grotty?
1: Yep. I think it still does. Does it? Kind of I don't know. Yeah. I,
2: it looked pretty grim from that point.
1: Honestly, those mini Johnnies, just like, you know, the one that kind of escapes into the mall. That's yeah. what I feel like when I'm shopping downtown at any moment, just like incredibly overwhelmed and just not where I was supposed to be. And I don't know where I am. I'm super lost.
2: So. <laughs> this, yeah, this little toy that goes on a walkabout is kind of cute. Um, I love I could, him. I would have happily just followed him farting around for uh, 90 minutes. He, I think that. That's. I think he's actually in Sears.
0: Actually, it looked like he was in the. It looked like he was in the
1: bay. It looked like the bay.
2: Yeah. No. It probably is the bay. It looked. It looked more classy than Sears. It probably was the bay. I
1: was gonna say the marble flooring gave me bay vibes.
3: <laughs> that scene was like super cute, and a part of me was like, "All right, all right, maybe I could just focus on the robot." And then the robot went into the women's stage room, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know how to feel about this."
1: But he's got the little uh, like feather boa on him. He's so <laughs> cute. I love him.
2: He didn't go into the changing room on purpose because he is a fucking toy. It's not like he had like, you know, prior conviction to go in there.
3: I know. I guess in my head, it was just kind of like, it was just kind of like, who would create this joke? And in my head, it's like, I feel like only, it's probably a guy that created
2: this joke.
1: Well, I, he never looked up, so I'm proud of him. <laughs> I don't think he could. Uh, well, I guess his neck
0: could move.
2: I don't know. He's selling these things for like twenty bucks. I'm pretty sure it wasn't like a fucking drone that had like a camera on it or anything.
0: Although that would be pretty funny if he was selling like military grade uh, drone technology for funny for twenty bucks a on a street corner.
2: This is a big downstep for his character from the first movie where he's yep. making like 11 million dollar robots and now he's making fucking toys out of the back of a van. And
3: also living in the van. And I was like, that's
2: a, that's a sad story. Yeah, it is. Maybe we could have had a little more of that because that's pretty fucking depressing. But it's a family film. <laughs> I, I, I guess. yeah, it's
0: almost like a family film. Shouldn't have a scene where a robot that keeps going on about, uh, about how much he values his consciousness gets them a little bit shit kicked out of him. Oh. In a
1: horrifying Salt, and then the the battery fluid like sprays that yeah. guy's
0: shirt and the guy's totally horrified like oh, maybe we should stop
1: yeah i was pretty horrified dude i'm like yes you should stop
0: <laughs> yes it reminded me very strongly of that scene in chappie where chappie gets the the shit kicked out of him oh. uh, and Chappie had like the brain of like a toddler that was even that was just heroin
2: we were just talking before we started recording about Chappie and how um for all intents and purposes Chappie is a remake of what the original short circuit was meant to be before various people got involved and turned it into a family comedy the original pitch for short circuit was it was a very kind of dark terminator inspired thriller Mm -hmm. where this robot goes fucking renegade and is just running amok in a small town until they decided it would be way better if they retrofit fitted a family comedy around it uh but Chappie is a bad film yeah Chappie's a bad film
0: it had so many things going for it and it was just depressing it they didn't give it anything i don't know there was just something lacking about it in terms of
2: i remember it being like oppressively bleak it
1: is it's very bleak
2: it's not a joyous film in any way
1: my boyfriend and i watched it for our fifth anniversary wow yeah that was uh that was a night <laughs> But,
0: but it did star Dev Patel, so somebody learned from history.
2: <laughs> did any of you guys see A Personal History of David Copperfield? No. Dev Patel's the lead in that, and he is fucking fantastic in that film. Is it out? I think, yeah, I saw it at TIFF last year. I think it got like a release uh, earlier in the summer when movie theaters were actually, you know, open for a brief period of time.
3: hmm Ah, Dev the
2: greatest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't actually go to a movie theater when they were open because, you know, Fuck that. But
3: it's true that like, you know, you can actually hire a person of color to be a lead in a movie.
2: That Armand Dionichi movie does that really well in that it completely disregards any kind of like um ethnicity and even gender for its casting. Just basically picked people who he felt was right for the role. I keep trying to think about this movie.
3: Like I don't know, like I had such weird mixed feelings where like I felt like I should watch it because it's of its time and something, but it was just just a hard watch and a part of me is like should people still watch us a movie and i'm like i don't know how to answer that it's
0: it's kind of like that what movie was it that mickey rooney like played a chinese guy or
2: breakfast at tiffany's
0: yeah and it that it's
2: i mean look we've got a long and awful history of this kind of thing happening and you know yeah obviously Mickey Rooney's a famous one Peter Sellers in the party playing an Indian is also another fucking pretty horrific one but this stuff's still been going on even recently, like mm-hmm. Max Minghella.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Social Network? Yeah, and Social Network is playing a Indian character. And I mean, there's some argument that Max Minghella has some Indian heritage, but it's pretty far back down the line because his father was from, I think it was the Isle of Wight in the UK, and also mm-hmm. his mother was from Hong Kong. So I don't know.
3: Well, I guess I guess for me, what like troubled me with watching this is just because it goes back to why people aren't hiring people of color right now because there's a lot of uh, like reasonings we're like it's just so hard to find people of color to be like to star in a film or find someone without a bunch of experience and we need this certain caliber in order to like hire them and i feel like maybe that was the reasoning back then but then it part of me is like it makes no sense how are you it's like the whole thing with everyone trying to get a job right now or just mm. go get a job like how is a person supposed to get this job if you're not giving them the experience to get the job.
1: People who want this are are so much better mm-hmm. than people who already have it and they they yeah. you know it's it's given to them. So you can absolutely form people around, you know, what it is, right? So you have someone who's fresh faced, they're they're not in any kind of, you know, hit anywhere they are just straight you know from a small town somewhere but they want to be there they will make the performance like you can't tell me that there isn't someone out there that can do it because they absolutely can
2: that actually ties in very nicely to talking about fisher stevens in this role yeah because i i don't think he's entirely at fault here i mean this is this this performance comes from higher up the food chain than Fisher Stevens. Mm-hmm. That's not to say he's not complicit in this, but he uh, he was born in Chicago and he moved to New York to become an actor. He had a small role in John Sayles' Brother from Another Planet. Uh, and then in 1985, he lands a supporting role in the film My Science Project alongside Dennis Hopper. That film is a complete fucking flop. And so... Next up, he auditions for Short Circuit. Now, when he auditions for this movie, in the script, it's written as a waspy kind of character. What is a waspy character? Sorry, that's for me that doesn't know that description. Yeah.
0: what White Anglo-Saxon person. Yeah, it,
2: that's it. Yeah.
0: Like somebody from the suburbs kind of thing.
2: Oh, okay.
0: Upper <laughs> middle class.
2: And that's that's what the character was written as originally. Um, and then at some point in between when he first auditions for it and when they're actually getting around to casting, they rewrite the character as an indian character and i can only assume that the logic for doing that was because somebody somewhere found that funny yeah yeah
3: that's like basically if you look at the movie there's so many things where like Like with that character, it's just you're supposed to like laugh at his accent or what he say. Like there's I think there's a line where he's like the the radio is on and then he was like, That's not English. And a part of me is like, "Mm, I feel like there's a lot of
2: a lot of the humor in this is just kind of derived from his spoonerisms and him just like not, you know, saying sentences in the correct order, and that is a very tired fucking joke even by 1988 standards
0: I mean they might be going for kind of a parallel stranger in a strange land thing though in a really stupid way the way they executed it how he's not like he's apparently not a citizen yet or whatever even though he worked for the military this was a question that Brian brought up when we were watching it
2: <laughs> why isn't he a citizen in the first one he he's very much just like a peripheral character and he kind of spits out some pretty misogynistic shit in that first movie as well the way that he refers to Ali Sheedy's character, is kind of crass and and not very um, appealing for him as a person. So anyway, they actually don't offer Fisher Stevens the role, they offer it to Bronson Pinchot, who is also a white guy. And then he turned it down to play a Mediterranean character of unspecified origin on the 80s sitcom Perfect Strangers. I'm not overly familiar with Perfect Strangers. (laughs) I think I've seen clips of his character and again, Yeah, yeah. It's very like, you should not be playing this role. Why the fuck are you doing this? Uh, So then they offer it back to Stevens. But for some reason, they've decided to keep the role as that of an Indian gentleman. So Stevens ends up dyeing his hair. He darkens his skin with makeup. He goes off to India to like perfect the voice and the affectations. And then the first movie comes out and nobody really bats an eyelid about this because Stevens is just like such an unknown quantity at that point Mm. that people genuinely believe he's Indian. I'm not going to lie. As a kid, I genuinely believed he was Indian. And it was only when he rocked up in hackers like maybe yeah. eight or nine years later that I was like, oh shit, Fisher Stevens is actually a fucking white guy.
3: And I think that's what makes it hurt so much. <laughs> sure. It's just like it's just like imagine like, like you see this movie and then you're a kid and you think, oh cool, there's like myself represented on screen and then later in life you're like oh it was a white guy <laughs> so basically your idol has been like wasn't actually a representation of yourself all along it's like everything is pulled underneath you
2: that is exactly what they talk about in um the episode of Master of None, the Aziz Ansari Netflix show, where basically they're watching Short Circuit 2 at the start of that episode, and Aziz Ansari's Indian friend does not know that Fisher Stevens is a white guy. Uh, and I think Aziz Ansari actually had a conversation with Fisher Stevens in 2015, and it's not fully documented what they said, but I think there was kind of like mm-hmm. a conversation happened about why Stevens took that role, and I think, you know, Stevens conceded that there is no way in hell that anybody other than than an Indian person should play that role if they were to make it in 2015 or whenever that conversation happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. going back to like how Stevens isn't entirely at fault here. I mean, I, there's a quote from John Badham who directed the first movie. Uh, I think somebody challenged him at some point about the use of Stevens as an Indian character, and Badham's response was that people were overly sensitive Oh fuck! and it has gotten to the point where you can't make fun of anyone. Oh. I mean, that's a pretty reprehensible take on this, right? Like he's
0: admitting, he's admitting there that, that the intention was a broad racial
3: humor. I think for me, when I hear that, it's always some sort of person that, is clearly being racist but will vehemently deny that they're being racist it's just like it's like he's trying to get away with saying not saying like Mm -hmm. he's just trying to get away he's trying to like like find an excuse to say that no no i'm not at fault it's other people's perceptions, other people's feelings that are at fault. I am not in the wrong. And so, like, and that's still happening today.
2: It's very much a, I'm sorry you're offended kind of fucking oh. response. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good enough. Fucking slimy. It is. But, I mean, like I say, it still happens. Um, I mean, just look at the fucking Simpsons, right?
0: Yeah. And um, what's his face? The actor actually felt really bad that, because uh, he was invited to be in that documentary and either he turned it down or his agent did because he didn't really, he didn't understand. Understand what it was and then he felt horrible afterwards Do you mean
2: hank azaria
0: yeah like he was asked to be in the documentary and he turned it down and then he felt like shit about it and he publicly apologized and i mean he voices like a like a bazillion characters in that show so to him like it's nothing to to not voice that character
2: anymore i mean the simpsons are guilty of it i mean they've they've taken steps to i mean even fucking Big Mouth, Mm -hmm. just this year, has recast uh, Jenny Slate was playing the character of Missy. Well, I think it's always the reason why... People let it slide
3: back then is their excuse of like, well, it's animation. But like, it it, that doesn't fly. Like, it should not fly then. And it's like, hopefully it won't fly ever again.
1: Yeah. I mean, opportunities are opportunities, regardless. And representation needs to
3: be there. But I think what it is, is that like, even if you look at reviews for this film, like now, or like even say, for example, with the recent decision from the Oscars to have a certain criteria in order to apply for best film, mm-hmm. you can see people are still adamantly against anything that pushes or tries to fight for diversity and inclusion. This is why like, even people like, what's her face? Oh, God. She's in uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous and Look Who's too. To. Kirstie Alley. Yeah, she was actively against like the, not actively against, but she did not appreciate the diversity inclusion and saying how it's what? like, yeah, so like even today, something like, and then even the response when Spike Lee was like, it's, it's, he's at least accepting, like, at least it's something in the right direction. Everyone's just started trashing Spike Lee. I don't know about like how like his movies are trash now and he's only angry because, and that's why he's angry at this.
2: (laughs) Okay. Right. So a couple of things to distill from this one, who in the Academy of motion picture arts and sciences is is giving the remotest of fucks about what Kirstie Alley has to say about this. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, no offense to, and I loved Kirstie Alley as a kid. I was, you know, infatuated with her, but she's not exactly what we would call a heavy fucking hitter these days. And two, who the fuck is saying that Spike Lee is only making trash?
3: I know, but that's, I think what it is when you look at these movies, like Short Circuit 2, and even, I think it just shows, and that's why I guess it was such a hard watch, is that it's still an ongoing battle and something that, like it needs to be fought every single day. Because there's people that are always going to be on the side of you're oversensitive or that this is unfair.
1: The
0: Lone Ranger came out in 2013.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Figure that out, right? I forgot that even existed. And
0: Johnny Depp tried to cover that up by being like, oh, well, I have some Cherokee ancestry. He never specified what, uh, like, he he never, he didn't seem to know what tribe he was related to, oh if he was related God. to anything. Like, it was just fucking tacky.
2: Yeah, I mean, you had fucking Fred Armisen playing Obama on SNL for fuck's sake. It's just... Oh,
0: God. What? <laughs>
2: I mean, talking of SNL, one of the prime offenders in this whole fucking thing is uh, Rob Schneider. Mm. Uh, when you think about all the roles that he has played in those Adam Sandler movies, where he's uh, oh, he's, yeah. playing, he's playing like a Hawaiian guy in 51st Dates and he's playing Mm. like a a Middle Eastern guy in Big Daddy. Yeah, that shit is just not cool. But also he's an anti-vaxxer so fuck that guy.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, he's weird. He's weird. Will Ferrell played an Arab guy in Austin Powers.
2: I forgot about that. He did?
0: He did. I don't think he did a very good job. He just looked like Will Ferrell. I I mean, he kind of put on a voice and he wore a fez but that was about as much.
1: Oh,
3: yeah.
0: Because when I watched it I don't think I actually thought of the character as actually being Arab. I think I just thought of him as a as a stupid villain that whose shtick was wearing a fez
2: mm. <laughs>
0: that's how it came across to me in the 90s i think
2: it's it's more insidious than that i think
0: oh yeah yeah because i was well i mean i was a dumb teenager i didn't get i didn't get i didn't get that that's the joke they were going for because they were probably trying to make fun of
2: james bond but yeah i've been watching a lot of old snl and just some of this representation in that show is fucking shocking oh, there you go thanks the peacock for putting all those episodes up for free so that i can pick them apart like that
3: i mean i guess it's important to watch like you don't have to watch it like i wouldn't i feel like you could read an article about it but i feel like like i'm trying to fit if i understand if i regret watching this i don't know if i have an answer for that but i think it's just it just shows that historically where we're at and how much we still need to kind of go
2: through yes yeah and i'm kind of hoping that like there will continue to be a light shined on this to the point where we don't have fucking stuff like this happening in the near future i mean but like i say even as recently as like social network that was only like what 10 years ago this shit was happening
1: well i mean scarlett Johansson. i mean that's the endless
2: Mm. kind of
1: conversation there like she's just I also disagree with the stance of, I'm an actress. That's just, oh, you know, yeah. what, what I, that's my job is to take on different roles. And it's like, no, that's not part of it.
0: Emma Stone in Aloha played a girl that was half Hawaiian.
3: That made no sense at
2: all.
0: And then after the fact, she was kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess that would upset people. Oh,
2: Cameron Crowe, what happened to you? You used to be so great. Yeah.
1: Until, you know, people get it through their heads that excuses don't work. Like That's exactly what it is, is that you're trying to convince yourself that what you did was not a horrible, horrible thing to do, and you didn't just take an opportunity away from somebody who needed it. I
2: think that was part of the conversation that Ansari and Stevens had, was that Stevens at least copped to it and didn't try and like justify it in any other way than he saw an opportunity to be a lead in a big budget movie, mm-hmm. uh, and he was willing to just kind of like roll with it.
3: Yeah. I think with movies like this, it just goes to show like how important it is to have diversity behind the screen because i feel like there were parts of the story like again with like identity and individuality and like particularly with the robot, like that was like, oh, this seems like it's going somewhere. But I think because, I don't know, who is a script writer? Like were they of color or were they? A couple of guys. I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Because like I find sometimes there's a lot of stories that are told, like I get the point of like, I don't know, there's the argument of research, but like in the end of the day, like someone that's lived that experience is able to authentically tell the story. And I feel like whatever story they're trying to tell here was never going to fly,
2: <laughs> was never going to feel authentic. I kind of feel like the, the, problem with this movie is is that it's insanely hypocritical in the the message of the movie appears to be that you can gain acceptance just by being yourself Mm-hmm. And yet, here we are with a guy in brownface um, being anything but himself. Hollywood,
0: <laughs> yeah. If, if the if the movie was aiming to make people respect the immigrant experience a little bit more, it's deeply disrespectful to have a white guy playing the immigrant in the movie.
2: Yeah,
3: particularly at the end when you see all the like the diversity and the people of color all like getting their residency and you're like that could that could have been
2: any of your leads (laughs) yeah that scene was jarring Mm. I also found it
0: jarring that right after the scene of Johnny 5 getting the shit kicked out of him a guy gets hit in the butt with a plane oh okay because he controls the planes remotely while he's dying and then he hits one of the guys in the butt with a with a remote controlled
2: airplane yeah what was the deal with the planes
0: I was like wow that's a tonal shift right there we went straight from a brutal assault to uh gag physical comedy
2: why were all these guys flying these planes outside Roy Thompson Hall which for people who don't know Toronto is like literally right in the heart of the city where I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to fly aircraft down there
1: well not anymore
2: there's a major international airport literally down the street from there so um
0: I wouldn't say down the street but I
2: mean it's not that far away that
1: oh sorry right yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah, I'm thinking of Billy Bishop. Billy yeah. Bishop's like, you know.
1: Well, I wouldn't call Billy Bishop major either, but it is an airport and it does exist. They
2: weren't flying
3: those planes. They weren't flying those planes at a high <laughs> I was going-
0: At the time. It was not a commercial airport at the time. It was a private airport.
2: Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Uh,
0: they've only been flying commercial flights out of there since I want to say 2008 is when. Oh, okay. Yeah. Porter opened in 2008, and then somewhere, somewhere between halfway between then and now, they they started flying uh, short Air Canada flights out of there. So
2: Porter Airlines, I miss them because they give you free booze and free snacks when you fly them. Yep. I never knew they were free.
0: Were you paying some dude for your free cookies, Roddy? when you took Porter?
3: No, I've just always been like, whenever I see something like, oh, that probably costs money, so I just don't even ask for it.
2: And I'm probably like, should I ask for it? No, you just take it. And then if somebody asks for money, then you cop to it.
3: There
0: is stuff in the terminal that you have to pay for, but there's also like baskets of like free cookies and and water and stuff. It's the same shit they give you when you're on the plane.
2: (laughs) And that concludes our segment on airline chatter. I know that
3: was like heated for a bit. I was like, we're talking about like, I wanted to argue like they weren't flying those planes that high.
2: But then they shouldn't be flying them in the ma- middle of a major metropolitan city then, should they? No,
0: we had the we had the same question. We were like, is that is that a thing that people did in the 90s <laughs> in the middle of Toronto was five fucking planes next to Roy Thompson Hall? We're like, that's pretty badass.
1: Well, I mean, it's supposed to be uh, what, New York? So, I mean, I feel like that's even fucking worse.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Middle of New York, a bunch of, like, little plane things, you know, cutting off traffic and shit.
0: Fucking annoying plane hobbyists. Maybe maybe it was a protest.
2: Maybe.
3: I did kind of, like, have a laugh and chuckle. The fact that they did, like, nothing to hide the fact that it was Toronto. Yeah.
1: Well, when they blatantly fucking call out Lakeshore at the like very last Yes, I
0: saw that. They've turned onto Lakeshore and they were literally turning onto Lakeshore. I'm like, "Wait, hold on.
2: There aren't any lakes in New York or around New York City. What right? the fuck are they talking about?" But yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, it was it it was I don't know if they said that on purpose. I think they did. They just left that in as a nod to Toronto,
2: I guess, which is nice. I mean, they left that in and they left all the locations in and they left all the street signs in. They left a they left a street streetcar in. I'm pretty sure New York doesn't have streetcars. The um, bus
1: the bus she came off was going to St. Clair station. That's right. They added
0: a bunch of yellow cabs, which I'm pretty sure Brian pointed out there's probably just a garage full of new york taxi cabs new york style taxi taxi cabs somewhere in toronto that they use for every film That's shoot true. but other than that they didn't change anything they just added friggin cabs and like changed a couple of signs yeah. and-
1: um there was actually oh shoot it was when uh johnny five had just broken out and uh was uh there was a canadian bank or something like that like right behind it and it said canadian blah blah blah, blah.
2: <laughs> I saw that. That's right. we just
1: started laughing it's like oh you didn't even try darling like there were some u.s flags every now and then and it was really actually kind of uh jarring to see the final scene with all the u.s flags i mean it's like that's not right they're getting sworn in as citizens of ontario
3: i guess it's funny in to representation it's like also representation of your own city because a part Mm. of me feels like the only time Like the things that were getting me through this was just, again, we talked about it earlier, is just seeing Toronto. And it let me me think of all the other movies that I watched just because it's Toronto, like Scott Pilgrim. Like I feel like I watched it a lot. Oh, I love that movie. Just because like it's saying, hey, this is Toronto. We're not going to like hide it as anything else.
1: There's two of my favorites in that where uh, Casaloma and Chris Evans are together. Yes. Like that little part makes my heart happy.
2: (laughs) Scott Pilgrim is one of the rare movies that wears Toronto on its sleeve. And I kind of appreciate that about that film because so many, so many things shoot here that just try and pass it off. It's like, um, shazam the dc movie i remember walking past them shooting that scene where a bus is like dangling off a bridge they were shooting it down at the docks they had a big bus suspended on a crane and i was like holy shit what's going on here and some guys like oh they're shooting a dc film i was like oh i don't fucking care whatever carried on working but um <laughs> as
1: soon as you're in dc you're like oh. they
2: try and pass that shit off as philadelphia and that high school that kid goes to is like literally in my neighborhood and that annoyed me no end
1: there was um some santa movie on netflix that was recently shot in toronto which one I feel
3: like i should know this was it the kurt russell one
1: yes yeah it was kurt russell and it was
3: santa chronicles
1: yes oh that thing um oh. Remember that time we drunkenly almost stumbled onto a, a filming like area? What? Was that here? I feel like it was, um, you know, where, where our school used to be, there was that church area, at Moss Park. Oh yeah. Just off of Moss Park. And, uh, they had just finished their final shot and was actually like wrapping up. If they
2: were shooting in Moss Park, it was definitely an anti-drugs commercial. I hope so Kim's convenience because I know like they get the oh the actual Kim's convenience is down the street from that so yeah maybe it was
1: yeah I don't know you could just literally stumble on anything in Toronto now that you know they've kind of bumped the budget I guess
3: what have been your favorite places or movies that you accidentally stumbled upon
0: you mean in real life as in the set yeah
3: where you're like ooh what's this I think the only thing famous I stumbled upon is like oh look it suits but I feel like everyone who's lived in Toronto can say
2: that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Suits is a pretty common one. I've seen them filming Handmaid's Tale around about here. They were filming, I think HBO Max are doing a reboot of Gossip Girl. They were literally filming that at the end of my street. No. I
3: don't know I'm excited for that. If I were with you, I probably would have freaked a little bit.
2: (laughs) I don't know the show, so I I couldn't have cared less. All I knew was that it was making, turning into my street a nightmare because there was fucking utility trucks parked everywhere. Was it all um, people in their mid-twenties playing teens? I don't think I saw a single member of the cast. I just saw a lot of union guys all standing around telling people not to fucking linger. So I don't know. That's a very hard job.
3: (laughs) It is.
2: I imagine it is. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Management. People get angry if you don't let them cross the streets.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've stumbled on. Like I said, I stumbled onto like when they were shooting Shazam. But I kind of. It's more. I kind of noticed things in movies. Like I was watching the fucking remake of Flatliners, mm-hmm. uh, which came out in like 2017. It had Ellen Page in it. Fucking terrible remake of a fairly mediocre original movie. But again, it was filmed just round the corner from my house, like a couple of scenes. And that was the only reason I sort of sat through that film was to point out locations that I knew.
3: Ooh, another note. Are any of you guys in movies? <laughs> like accidentally as an extra?
0: I was on an episode of Jay's Journal for uh, Discovery Channel one time, but that was on purpose because <laughs> that one, one of our teachers also worked at Discovery Interactive. And so he worked on Jay's Journal as like a photographer, and a web editor, so we got to play extras on this segment where jay was explaining a concept
3: do you have a video because i would love to see that
0: i don't think (laughs) i have it anymore this was my this was my first postgrad diploma at centennial it was filmed at centennial my class was was the extras for this for this segment this was way the hell back in 2005 i think i still think
3: it's fun i feel like we've all been in some sort of maybe not like a tv show but we've all been in some sort of version of a toronto talk show
0: oh yeah sure. you were in the crowd nath right were... yeah i've i've i've
2: had i've had some cameo appearances on uh on daytime tv shows mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, don't look that up um <laughs>
3: we have gifts that we specifically use
2: <laughs> i know
1: Oh yeah <laughs> you you'd like very specifically watch through them so then you could give us right yeah,
3: i work hard to embarrass my friends <laughs>
1: It's wonderful.
3: Really
2: appreciate that. (laughs)
1: I'm in a commercial for work uh, very briefly, very briefly. Okay. Um, there was, I'm in mean, two of them technically. Uh, the first one was two years ago and it was on the and like the eve of my anniversary. And they're like, okay, you're going to be pretending to date this other guy. And I was just like, oh shit, I'm missing my anniversary so that I can pretend to be this guy's girlfriend. Great. <laughs> um, so yeah, all you see is me come in the background and point to like, a game and it's like wow we should buy this it's so good we're we're Christmas shopping but also I just remembered that I looked after Josh Hutchinson's dog
2: Hutcherson uh
1: well he yeah Hutcherson um his dog while he filmed Zathura oh
2: cool what that's
1: super which cool which was in Canada yes that was when I was baby baby <laughs> it was like my first volunteer job at like some dog daycare oh and they're like this is Josh you know he's gonna be a big movie star and we're like yeah whatever Rude. when i was younger i was just like oh he handsome i hope so and the it look, it look there he is
2: <laughs> hey josh Hutcherson. In the movie *Detention*, which is a fucking awesome film, um, <laughs> did you guys see that? I can't remember if we watched *Detention*. We
3: did. And I think we—you made us watch it. I
2: didn't make you watch it. I was, it wasn't like <laughs> I fucking held you at gunpoint.
3: I always find was really awkward when someone recommends you a movie and there's a bit of pressure.
2: <laughs> or, well, I either watch it, you watch it, Neth That's why I don't demand anybody watches anything anymore. I just for, toss out recommendations. But if you don't watch it, that's that's on you, man. I uh, it is of no. Consequence to me if people don't watch stuff that I write.
3: Two movies line up, but neither of them in Toronto. So
2: I don't know. I. I was convinced for a very long period as a child that I was an extra in the movie Free Jack, which if you don't know, is a fucking terrible early 90s sci-fi movie starring Emilio Estevez, uh, Anthony Hopkins, and fucking Mick Jagger.
0: Really? Wow. Uh,
2: Because I was in New York in 91 and we saw a car chase being filmed. And the only thing in my mind that lined up that came out not long after it was the movie Free Jack, which is set in New York and features several car chases. And I was kind of convinced that I'd witnessed the shooting of this movie for a long part of my childhood, only to find out that that entire movie was shot in Atlanta. Oh. Mm. And I don't know what the fuck they were filming in New York, so I'll never know what it was. But it may have just been a real car chase. I don't know.
0: It might have been an episode of a cop show or something.
2: Maybe. I think this is predates NYPD Blue, but it was, uh, yeah. it was around that time. Uh,
0: recently, I think I mentioned this, I was watching an episode of MST3K and I noticed that the movie they were featuring, which is called Overdrawn at the memory bank
2: Darren, Rose well, julia yeah
0: that was shot in toronto and i noticed because there's this one brief shot of a um of a subway platform and i thought that looks like yorkdale like no that can't be yorkdale can it and i looked it up and i'm like oh shit it was shot in toronto i mean most of the movie takes place in like an office building
1: cohen and i were gonna try and go to uh, schitt's
2: creek the actual town
1: yeah because it's uh oxbridge do it <laughs> Yeah, it's only about a half an hour away from us. We were going to go, and then we found out that the Rosebud Motel is actually up for sale, so... Dang.
2: We could all chip in and buy it.
1: Well, that's, you know, it's a great franchising opportunity.
3: <laughs> I feel like with this movie now, we should try to make a bucket list to at least be an extra. Because I realize that none of us are extras in a Toronto-based or set
2: film. I don't know, man. Being an extra is a lot of shitty standing around and fucking uh, getting harangued by people.
0: But that's like a cool bucket list. I give some asshole a hundred bucks to put me on a list and take my picture that sounds weird now saying it that way but
2: yeah it really does
0: he only ever called me back once and i already had a job by that point
2: i mean you shouldn't be paying anybody any money to get on a fucking agency list oh cat that's even worse
0: i was so (laughs) desperate for work at the time i'm like what am i doing
2: no we've, we've all been there it's yeah
0: i felt so dirty afterwards
2: um oof this movie uh where were we with this film i I don't know we weren't really anywhere with it oh great uh this robot i know he's cute and adorable but he is a real chatty cafe in this film he uh yeah he's jibber-jabbering his way through this film and it kind of gets pretty wearisome as it goes along but was it actually a robot that sounds dumb i know this sounds dumb <laughs> so i was watching the gag reel from this movie and it was very much a full functioning puppet like he was very autonomous on set which i think was kind of impressive for 1988 because obviously like you like say we chappy it was all just fucking mostly cgi and whatnot so um but he's when he rocks up at the warehouse when they get him like delivered by fedex or whatever he's talking about all his upgrades and he says that and i know that this is old tech but he says that he has a 500 megabyte memory upgrade and i'm thinking wow he now has the same amount of memory as an iphone 4
1: i loved that so much i'm like oh yeah megabytes that was a that was a thing And that was huge, and that's fantastic for him. That was a lot back
0: then. 500 megabytes, that was a lot. Our first PC had like eight.
2: Yeah, same. I remember having a fucking Atari ST that had half a megabyte memory and thinking that was some hot shit.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I think that the problem is that it has the word mega in it, so then you think that that's big and cool and awesome.
2: What's past giga?
3: A terabyte. Oh, okay. I know nothing about high tech stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we were talking about they shoot a lot of they or they shot a lot of this downtown. Could you imagine being a kid and seeing this robot just rolling around the streets of Toronto? There are no kids in this movie. They obviously had to like shoo them all away from filming location. Yeah. I would fucking lost my mind if i saw johnny five just rolling down the street
1: yeah Uh, honestly i lost my mind just seeing it in a movie so
2: (laughs) you were really taken with this robot right? i
1: love him so much i don't know what it is but i just i care for him deeply
2: he's cute right he's cute very Um, cute he's the main character of the story
3: isn't he like i feel like absolutely no one else has like a good storyline that you'd want to follow maybe sandy i don't know but they kind of Brushed her off. They brushed her
2: off. I mean, what is Sandy's storyline other than she's she's being catfished by Fisher Stevens? It's fucking She's
0: trying to find a product that she can pitch that her boss will approve so that she can make it in the corporate toy world. You know, it's about her having a career and stuff.
2: So maybe the movie should have just made her the fucking focus then. Maybe we could have just completely dispensed with like McKean and Stevens' characters. I mean, I'm not sure why Fisher Stevens was brought back ahead of maybe Ali Sheedy or Steve Gutenberg who were very much the leads of the first movie so
1: wait is there a short circuit three
2: no there was a there was a script being batted around in sort of 89 90 but then short circuit two flopped mm-hmm. and basically people decided it probably wasn't worth the hassle good
1: but is that what you guys would do is have it follow sandy instead yeah
2: yes uh yeah maybe i don't know i think the i think the the original pitch for the third movie was going to be that the military character like the main military guy from the first movie was enraged that this robot was still out there after all the other models had been destroyed uh, and i think he kind of goes on like a, a vengeance quest to bring down this robot it's terrifying
0: yep or like i'm surprised they didn't write a script where they make him a girlfriend or something
2: (gasps) oh
1: bride of frankenstein also that part that part really made me so sad where like he's just reading the the books and it's frankenstein and pinocchio and i'm just (laughs) like no he can't be reading those he's too sensitive
2: (laughs) he goes to the world's biggest bookstore which used to be on edward street in toronto um that place smelled funny (laughs) <laughs> a lot of old books that's my only memory of that place is that it smelled kind of weird but i was very excited to go in there the first time i ever came to toronto because of this movie so yeah but
3: yeah there are a lot of moments where you actually feel full of a robot like there's that moment in the bookstore and there's one at the park i want to say it's birchsey park whatever the one that's on king of front street yeah where he some woman comes up and just calls him just basically just makes fun of him says he's like ugly and whatnot says, oh yeah but he looks at the mirror and be like Essentially internalizes all of that.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like,
3: oh, this is kind of heartbreaking.
2: Yeah. Do you know what was more heartbreaking for me was seeing berksy Park without all of the dog statues that are now in that park? True.
1: Yeah. True.
2: true. (laughs) Where we once witnessed Laura have a full blown meltdown. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> slightly drunk uh hugging a lot of statues of dogs
3: for those that don't know there's a fountain in that park that's essentially a whole bunch of dogs gathering a large around a large water fountain
2: it's adorable it's amazing
1: it's the best thing i've ever seen and i didn't know that it existed until you guys showed me which is why it was just such a moment for me
2: so mckean tries to sell him for like because he finds out he's worth 11 million dollars Uh, And Johnny Five flips out And he jumps out of a window And oh what a surprise He's got like a hang glider In his utility pack So (laughs) he's like soaring around The Toronto skyline The whole time I was like Just fucking show the CN Tower I fucking dare you
1: Oh see for me I was thinking that it was Better blue screen Than the mummy returns And I wasn't ready to admit that
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes
0: We were perplexed That people on the ground Were like what the hell is that And we're like It's a fucking hang glider
1: dude You guys never seen a hang glider before? for
3: but it has no robot on it
1: that's not a robotic airplane what is that that's not allowed in our airspace yeah exactly <laughs> i mean i guess it is a robotic airplane shit robot powered airplane yeah damn
2: <laughs> he's the original fucking drone mm. a fucking dalek on a hang glider
1: um oh how sad that he works for amazon now
2: ouch that's what Johnny Five does in 2020. He's <laughs> oh, just delivering no. packages Ooh. for Jeff Bezos.
3: Okay, who like who outweighs uh, which robot in your eyes is better,
2: Wall-E or Johnny Five?
0: Ooh, Wall-E hands down. Yeah,
1: I do love Wall-E.
2: There we go. That's actually tough. I, I don't know if I can call that.
1: Yeah, no words spoken, but Wall-E, you know, squeaked his way into my heart.
2: <laughs> yeah, Wall-E is kind of adorable. I think we figured out the best robot. No, I'm I'm sticking with the Bill and Ted guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Wally is great. Also Eva is great. I love that whole movie.
2: The better robot movies
3: to watch if you don't want to watch or <laughs> Short
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna plug that one. You should watch that one instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wally is basically just uh johnny five but without people trying to kill him
2: yeah and without the overt racism as well um, exactly
1: we didn't talk about the
0: the mexican gang oh
2: god no oh. i just oh. kill
0: all the scenarios? every
2: time we try and steer this movie away from being horribly racist <laughs> we just seem to wheel it back around to another incident
0: that also reminded me of Chappie. that i was yes. like "Ooh, that's a weird parallel to have
1: well i feel maybe that that's where Chappie might have come from from is that idea that uh, he's brought into a gang and, you know, told something completely different so that he thinks he's doing right.
0: I feel like somebody watched the first half hour of Short C- Circuit 2 or just watched all they could get through. Two, and they were like, I can do better. yeah. <laughs> and then they didn't.
2: <laughs> yeah, this gang, they're, they're kind of boosting car stereos and it's very kind of crass and not particularly pleasant to see. Are they meant to be Hispanic?
3: The fact that they don't even bother, it's just kind of like, yeah,
2: that's basically
0: yeah and then johnny five comes back to the warehouse wearing clothes that look like theirs and talking in their accents
2: oh my god we don't need that from this robot um yeah but someone was like oh this is, this is this will be a
3: laugh like no it's not
0: and then the guy was looking after him it was a white guy playing an east indian dude yelled at him and told him to take all that crap off
2: yeah it's, uh, uh. It's so wrong let's talk about this scene the serrano de bergerac scene in this movie where um fisher stevens and cynthia gibb go on the date and uh and stevens is being fed the lines from a fucking billboard that johnny five is controlling i don't know that just didn't sit right with me
0: he could control billboards but when he's dying he chooses to hit somebody in the butt with an airplane so I don't know
2: his power
1: has weakened
3: I mean first off I feel like there there don't even need to be a romance in it like when that scene happened I was like oh we're doing this yeah like a guess there's a love story in this
1: no and I mean I, I feel as though that kind of goes through the thread again where it's just like they couldn't th- so we've run into what two three movies where it's just like I don't know where the where the movie ends it's it's right now okay great Right. So then they just rush something. We've had three endings in this movie, and I would have been happy with any of them.
3: What's the first ending?
1: Uh, first ending could have just been like um, I can't remember this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw it like an hour ago. They saved Johnny
0: five from, from imminent death.
1: Yes, that could have been it. And then the second one um, could have been the uh, end of the bank heist area. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's so many where I'm just like, oh, we're done now. Oh, it was only 40 minutes in. Okay. And then another 40 minutes and it's, oh, we're done now. No. Okay.
3: It's probably it's the reason why you thought it had like three endings. It's just you just wanted it to end when it could.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is long for a family film from the eighties. This movie is nearly two hours long. Uh, and there's a lot of shit in here that doesn't need to be in here. Uh, although I kind of like the scene. Um, and I think we talked about it earlier. I kind of like the scene where, uh, McKean and Stevens have been kidnapped and shoved in a freezer somewhere in Chinatown. Yeah. And they're using like a, a calculator to try and emulate these songs to give, uh, Cynthia Gibbs character clues as to their location.
0: I love that whole sequence. It's great.
2: Yeah. They use, a. Uh, downtown by petula clark mm-hmm. Tempted to tell my petula clark story do it yep i don't know it's pretty gross oh uh
1: do it and we can edit out if it, it's not good
2: okay we're, Go. we, we're probably gonna edit this bit out of the podcast oh but, i can't um, wait for
1: more elevator music <laughs>
2: Oh my God.
0: I bet he was waiting all day to say that.
2: That's a mic drop. I just love that story because it's probably absolute fucking bollocks, but I don't know. (laughs) The fucking look on Roddy's face says it all.
3: (laughs) I think it's just rough because there's all these people that are like these movies that are such dear to people's hearts. And then I guess when they are recommended to me, I'm like,
2: (laughs) uh... It's like I don't know if I can watch that. <laughs> That's fair.
0: Yeah, like people get a nostalgic attachment to things like I've I've had people talk about how much they love uh Star Trek the original series and and they have a very different interpretation of some of the things that happened in that series than I do. <laughs> it's it's very strong in certain parts and certain aspects of it, but there are also certain aspects of it that are extremely dated.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, if we if we want to wheel back around to the brown face thing, the character of was originally written to be Indian. And yet, I mean, you kind of got away with it slightly with uh, Ricardo Montalban playing him in the Rafa Khan. What you don't get away with is uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, who is probably the whitest motherfucker that ever lived, playing him in Into Darkness.
0: They could have just changed his name and made it a different clone story. Like, I don't know. I mean, Star Trek has had so many different stories about people being unfrozen from the past that, like, it's not even yeah, it would, they would have obviously been ripping off Wrath of Khan, but at the same time it's not like... I mean, it was a different enough story anyways, how he's introduced that...
2: Is that an episode?
0: In the, in the series? Yeah. No,
2: I mean, is that an episode of this podcast, Into Darkness?
0: Oh, oh, Uh, I don't want to rewatch that movie, but...
2: (laughs) that probably means it's an episode i was gonna say that's usually the... if you have reservations about watching it it means we're probably gonna have to do it i
0: think it would come down to nemesis or into darkness i think
2: whoa no what about final frontier that one's stinky
0: that one is really fun to make fun of which is why a lot of people have made fun of it is there a star trek month
2: oh i don't know if i could do a month like <laughs> a month might be a stretch I Agreed i haven't watched any of the
3: star trek films except for the one with chris Pine's. the first one 2009 although part of me segued like princess diaries two. <gasps>
2: no wait the chris pine star trek has john cho yep who uh may well pop up in an episode that we're gonna do in the near future on a certain fucking bawdy teenage sex franchise oh <laughs>
3: <Two>. um, <laughs> i feel like all of this is gonna be edited out because it's all spoilers
0: <laughs> for a second there my brain went to harold and kumar and i was like are we doing harold and I'm like, oh, right.
2: Oh, we're spoiling so much future content in this episode, just again, just to avoid talking about shows again.
3: It's, I don't know. Now I feel like it's out of my system, and I can never just, I'm happy to never watch it again, but also happy to point it out when someone says like, it's like, we're super diverse now. We don't have to worry about anything. I'm like, <clears throat> and just point out this movie and then the history. Uh,
0: the the thing about Johnny Five reading Pinocchio, I haven't read the entirety of Pinocchio, but what little I know about the book, Pinocchio's a dick in the, in the p- book. He's a little brat he's
2: a little brahms
0: The the disney movie makes him endearing
2: he's a little problem child oh my god
0: so, so if the book was anything like the disney movie I, it would make sense that that uh, johnny five was reading it but the book is uh...
2: frankenstein's monster ain't exactly got his nose clean either i mean he Drowns a fucking child, right? You know. Oh yeah. Spoilers. I'm sorry for spoiling a book that's 120 years old.
0: I I read it quite a while
2: ago. Okay, so there. maybe maybe that doesn't happen in the book, but it definitely <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> it definitely happens in the Boris Karloff movie from the 30s. In in uh,
0: in the book, he gets chased by some villagers. He hides in a shed next to a family's house and spies on them for like a month. Then he tries to introduce himself to the blind grandpa. Then the rest of the family Family comes home, flips out, screams at him. Then he runs away and he tries to get Victor Frankenstein to make him a girlfriend. Victor Frankenstein gets halfway through the project, changes his mind, rips up what he's already done. Which just enrages the monster, and then the monster goes and kills his fiance.
2: So, I mean, he's still kind of a dick.
0: Yes, he kills. Well, he does it out of rage, and also he has no emotional control because it's a it's it's a monster who started off with the brain of a toddler and then was horrifically abused. But yeah, he kills Victor Frankenstein's fiance and I think his best friend, and then he and then he kills himself. Spoiler alert: He sits in the middle of a glacier and lights himself on fire.
2: I remember the Kenneth Branagh movie. <laughs> oh, that's a bad film. Um, Johnny Five, where we're uh he gets brutalized by this gang after he realizes that they're being nefarious and yeah i know we've already talked about it but fucking hell this robot takes a beating in this uh it's and it is heartbreaking and i think there was some poll of it being one of like the most disturbing scenes in a children's film
0: well they didn't need the spray of motor oil that looked like blood now did they like that took it yeah I mean, I get that it gets a response from that character where he's like, What have I done? But uh, at the same time, I don't, I must have seen this as a child. I don't know why yeah. this did me. I, I guess I was just not paying that much attention when I was watching this.
2: He is hobbling down the street in this movie carrying his arm. And it just reminded me of Saving Private Ryan. Because oh. there is a very similar shot in that movie where a soldier is like standing on the beach and holding his severed arm. I was like, Holy fuck, this is is meant to be for kids. This is traumatic.
0: Yeah, you can't you can't spend 3 quarters of a movie saying this robot is a person and deserves to be treated like one and then have him horrifically assaulted. You know, if you go to all that trouble to, you know, to give a character that much humanity, you can't just, you know, it 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 has a very different effect than if
2: They basically beat the humanity out of him. It's
0: like nobody gives a shit when when three PO gets his uh, you know his arms and legs ripped off. Um, it, it's I mean he didn't die or anything, but we're like yeah whatever. It's hilarious. Like we don't care because there's there's certain there's a certain borderline there in terms of like he's like a person but not
2: right.
3: I'm trying. I'm actually like flashing back to other kind of sad robot <laughs> movies. Iron Giant and AI, were those sad for robots?
2: Uh, The whole flesh fair sequence of um, AI is pretty disturbing, where all the robots are being pitted against one another for the amusement of people. That's kind of sad.
3: I remember Iron Giant being really, really sad. What's up with robots having sad films?
2: They can have happy endings. Even Rutger Hauer at the end of Blade Runner when he's like giving the speech about mm-hmm. seeing um, the lights or whatever. I don't remember the specifics of the speech, but that's sad. It is. So
3: I'm going to say iRobot is the best film now because at least it has a happy ending for r-
2: robots. I mean, no. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus. Fine. It's back to Wally. Yeah. I think I'd, I'll take Wally over iRobot any day. Yeah. So yeah, they beat the shit out of Johnny Five and then he gets fixed. He goes on like this fucking pursuit of these guys. And there's a bit where he swings out across the mm-hmm. lake to try and pick up a guy of a speedboat and i'm just thinking how many times did they shoot that and lose puppets of this robot in the lake <laughs> and should we go hire a boat to see if we can find them because i bet you there are johnny fives sat at the bottom of lake ontario still
3: that scene shows how important sometimes a music soundtrack is because i didn't care what was happening but i need a hero's playing
2: oh yeah, my god the, the
3: use of Bonnie Tyler at the end of this movie. Yeah. oh yeah, that's Superb. Right. I was just like, I love this. It's great.
0: <laughs>
1: so much better than Shrek 2.
0: <laughs> I was singing along to that and I didn't give a shit about the scene. I was just singing It's to it. such
2: a rousing use of that song at the end of this movie.
1: I don't know. I could feel the tragedy coming and I was just like, no, this is the last stand. It's like in Shrek 2 with Mongo. <laughs> oh no.
0: I liked it better in Shrek 2, to be honest, but I like the song either way, so.
2: I'll take the use of it in... This over Shrek Two, thanks. But
0: I mean Shrek Two I liked better than the first Shrek.
1: Yes, yeah, that is overall is a better movie in my opinion. Yeah, I just feel
0: like it's just a just a better movie.
2: There's another example of somebody not Scottish doing a Scottish accent. Oh,
1: <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's from Toronto.
2: He's from Scarborough. Yeah, he is. Oh,
3: I
1: I actually live right beside um the Mike Myers Road. I, it's in my neighborhood. I pass it every now and then. It's great.
3: Yeah, accents are a weird territory too. When I think about it, like even from like British to Scottish to irish to it's like hmm.
0: how to train your dragon has care mostly characters that have scottish accents even though they're friggin vikings sure
2: i mean and this is like a purpose of nothing but i guess we were talking about shrek but you guys know like chris farley was originally meant to play shrek he recorded like a lot of stuff for it before he died and that was like fucking four years before this film came out that farley died but um i want to know if he played it in a scottish accent
0: probably not because uh i think it was mike Myers' suggestion and then they recorded like half his dialogue and because it's animation they had already animated around his non-accented dialogue and it was extremely
2: expensive and mike myers did that whole scottish accent thing he did it in sketches on snl and he did it in Soy american axe murderer he
1: did it in austin powers
2: yeah he did it um with fat bastard if that's right um Mm-hmm. It's not a terrible accent. Mm. I, I can let it slide. What's been the worst Scottish accent that you heard? How is Brave? I never saw it. Okay. But but I think, like, isn't Kelly MacDonald the lead in that movie? And she is very much Scottish, so... She
0: sounds pretty Scottish.
2: Johnny V. Miller's accent in Train Spotting isn't as great as I remember it being. Hmm. I don't know. I'm literally now just Googling bad Scottish accents. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a whole tangent, isn't no, it? I guess it's, for me, what's interesting about it is, like, accents are this Iffy thing where it is taking on someone's accent that's not yours, but then like it's I don't know, it's just another conversation if like if that's acceptable. Somewhat, is it? Like it's
0: a I think it depends on I mean, in most cases, no, but I mean context is probably important there.
2: If we want to talk about recent bad Scottish accents, the current season of um the haunting, the haunting of Bly Manor, has one particular one that kind of piqued my interest where I was like, is uh, I don't think this guy's Scottish. Um I won't go into it for people that haven't seen it yet, but um one of the characters has a iffy Scottish accent, in that, and he's definitely an English accent. That was Braveheart. Uh, we don't talk about that.
1: Yeah, all right. Anyway. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but...
2: I've, I've never seen Braveheart because uh, in my town of birth in Sterling, in Scotland there is the william wallace monument Mm. two or three years after that movie came out they erected a statue of william wallace in the car park and it looks just like fucking mel gibson um and i took real umbrage with that so i've never actually seen Braveheart. i refuse to watch it why do you refuse to Oh, you don't have to answer (laughs) uh okay bad scottish accents tom hanks and cloud atlas that's a fucking bad scottish accent oh
0: yeah (laughs) that movie's that movie's wild (laughs) if you want to talk about if you want to talk about people playing other races now they didn't have anybody doing blackface uh they drew the line there clearly but they did have um didn't they have Halle Berry playing a was it Halle Berry playing a white woman yeah, yeah
3: that's, a, that's a very interesting movie it is it's one of the ones where like I look at it like but the thing is what well, everyone is playing a different race so like yes. it's like we have like someone who's Korean playing someone who's British and like vice versa so a part of me is like yeah they were trying something and I guess I was more okay with
2: that
0: it's supposed to serve a narrative of purpose because it's the same characters reincarnated. I
2: guess. Yeah. Again, that's a real, that's a real fucking iffy one. That movie. I think. I
0: don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how to how to parse that because I haven't read the book. So I don't. I don't know. Some
2: other bad ones are Christopher Lambert in Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Lambert. That movie we've got Christopher Lambert playing. He's a French guy playing a Scottish guy. We've got Sean Connery who's a Scottish guy playing a Spanish guy. Uh, that whole movie is just a shit show for accents. Yeah. I mean really, I guess the worst one is uh, James Doohan in Star Trek. Rest in peace, but Oh god. Not a good accent.
0: Well, Walter Koenig's uh Soviet character, he was also not russian yeah
2: going on from that simon pegg in those fucking new star trek movies not a particularly convincing scottish accent i feel like we fucking derailed this conversation <laughs> somewhat, no i think to me my own agenda no
3: it's not that it it ties in because it, it's again like why maybe bring a
2: Scottish actor in instead of having someone work their butt off to have a Scottish accent? Well, I mean, there are there are only three Scottish actors, and two of them are Ewan McGregor. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I
3: and then a part of me feels like too, like again for I guess representation for Scottish people. Like, I feel like like even for myself, I can tell the difference when it's like say it's someone like Korean playing a Filipino. Like, I will tell them like mm. I can tell the difference. Yeah, so like a part of me is like, is it similar to like say someone that's like someone that's not scottish playing some of that scottish
2: i don't know i i guess i don't know with with that people often confuse like irish and scottish that happens a lot Mm -hmm. i've been asked if i'm irish a few times i'm constantly asked if i'm australian which i don't fucking get but okay Mm -mm. but then again my accent is just a weird fucking mishmash of scottish and english and now a little fucking inflections of canadian as well so thanks for that you're welcome yay
0: I mean, it's an interesting discussion to try to figure out where the lines are of, you know, what causes the most hurt and... and um.
3: I guess it's like context, right? I, it's all, I guess case-by-case case context and then, and I guess the creative team behind it like what was your intention of making yeah like if it's like oh let's have a Scottish because it's funny then maybe like I'm like no not maybe like I'd be like no let's not
1: mm-hmm.
3: I don't know sometimes Scottish accents pretty
2: funny
0: I mean I thought I didn't know that Johnny Lee Miller was British I'd seen hackers so many times I never caught on to the fact that is that he's got a really silly American accent and then when I saw him playing Sherlock Holmes I'm like what a terrible British accent
2: wait what did he play Sherlock Holmes
3: in uh the TV show Elementary.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was called Elementary.
2: Oh, the show with Lucy Liu. Yeah.
0: Lucy Liu played Watson.
2: I enjoyed that series. I forgot that show existed. Um, never saw. It.
0: I haven't seen much of it to be honest.
2: And of Lucy Lou. I would watch Charlie's Angels full throttle just because of it. Laura <gasps> was that sharp and dick of breath because Charlie's Angels 2 is a yeah. fucking episode. Yeah. I think it is.
1: Absolutely. Sweet could be, yeah. Hell fucking yes.
2: I watched Allie McBeal
0: back in the 90s when Lucy Lou was starting to become a
2: thing. Yeah, I never saw that show either.
0: I don't know. I watched a little bit of it recently to see if it held up. It Nope. It <laughs> does not. I'm glad I only watched the first couple of episodes because I thought to myself, you know, I remember enough about this that if I keep watching, it's going to make me angry probably.
3: Essentially, it's just like, wow, people, there's a lot of sexual harassment in Ally McBeal.
0: Well, the, the show starts off with her, the job that she get the first uh, law firm that she works at, she uh, gets sexually harassed by her boss and then she has ends up suing him. Mm. And that's how she ends up working for the other guy, who's also kind of a creep. So, But he just doesn't sexually harass her.
3: It oh, feels a weird show when you think
0: about it. It it was weird. It was a very strange show, looking back.
2: Holy shit, we've derailed this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: no, it's, it's right. fine.
2: <laughs> it's fine. You got so,
3: Is there anything else to say about Short Sugar 2? Because I feel like... <laughs>
2: This was a hard one to watch for me because like I say, this was a big part of my childhood. I have happy memories of seeing this in the theater with my family on like one of the few occasions that my entire family went to see a movie at the same time. Mm. I think I can count on one hand, the amount of times that happened as a kid. Um, Same. But but also watching it through a 2020 lens, it's pretty uncomfortable to watch.
1: And I mean, like that's, I kind of made the point in the beginning, but it made it really hard for me to genuinely enjoy this. No, knowing that you know that's what where they decided to go and that's what they decided comedy was you
2: yeah. know which is really mm-hmm.
1: disgusting and it's only in the back of your head if it was a shortcut of just the robot hell yeah mm. i'd have a great time which would make it then wally so i'm just gonna re-watch wally instead i mean as
0: you said chappy i think was mostly cgi or all cgi but like this was like practical effects it was a robot puppet and i mean they they proved the effect of that the the effectiveness of that with BB eight in Force Awakens and I think there needs to be if, if anybody makes any more movies about robots they should be practical effects they should be puppets because it's just so, so much more fun for the actors to interact with them probably
1: we have the technology
2: and also they don't need to have anybody in brownface in them either
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
2: stay the fuck out of short circuit free Justin Trudeau oh. <laughs> deep cuts that was short circuit two from 1988 directed by Kenneth Johnson we're going to take a break for a week and we will be back in two weeks where we are going to be talking about Thanks, Killing Free. Yeah, Jesus. I I haven't seen this movie yet, but I took a look at some stills from this film, and this film looks batshit insane. It does.
0: Did you say we were thinking of watching it live together? Well, not live, live, but like watching it at the same time.
2: I think this may be a group watch. I think alcohol, alcohol may be involved. Yeah. This movie is a sequel to Thanks Killing One, not Thanks Killing Two, because there isn't a Thanks Killing Two. They just decided to jump right ahead. Make a third one.
1: Uh, the third one killed the second one, I heard.
2: Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what the fuck this is all about. Me okay. Too. <laughs> In the meantime, we have been Bad With Numbers from Toronto, Canada. Thank you for listening and stay safe. Bye. Peace. Bye. <laughs>
3: You're doing a very good thing here! Yes, I'm like Pinocchio. What? Oh, very similar. He was brought to life, and he discussed philosophy with a cricket. We tried to teach him bad from good, and then he uh, would... You mother